This is Cruise Radio. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas today. Also, a couple of listener questions we're going to tackle here. We have Dan from TripInsurance.com, also Matt Hotchberg coming on from the RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com to tackle a couple of coronavirus-centric questions. And of course, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. We've picked up quite a few new listeners over the past month. A lot of back episodes for you to listen to, 574 to be exact, if you don't get tired of hearing my voice. Cruise Radio News, our daily quick hits of the news, Monday through Friday. Find that where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search Cruise Radio News. Busy week this week, jumping right to Sherry Laskin with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hello, Doug. So a cruise was cut short in the Caribbean due to an outbreak, but it was not coronavirus. I think everyone probably breathed a sigh of relief, but it was the Caribbean princess, and the ship was turned away from the port of Spain in Trinidad because of a gastrointestinal outbreak, not luckily coronavirus, and the ship had to return to Port Everglades ahead of schedule. So according to a statement from Princess Cruises, um, it was done out of an abundance of caution. Uh, The guests were sick. And they couldn't dock in Trinidad and Tobago. So they were also denied um, the ability to dock in Barbados, another port on the itinerary. So it was a 14-night Southern Caribbean cruise. The ship was only able to complete about one half of the planned itinerary and is expected to return today, Thursday, on February 13th at 7 a.m., Princess is giving all guests a 50% refund for the cost of their cruise and a future cruise credit valued at 50% of what they paid for their cruise fare. And it's expected that um, Princess uh, Caribbean Princess will still depart from Port Everglades on its next scheduled cruise. Yeah, and while we're talking about Princess here, a quick little update. This is a very fluid story, but as of this evening, there is 175 cases on board Diamond Princess of coronavirus, 40 new cases over the past 24 hours, and they're saying that 10 of those are crew members. Um, I also read earlier that Princess is actually giving all the crew members on board, Sherry. They're going to get um, two months paid leave after this debacle ends, hopefully, on February 19th. They sure will deserve it. Um, You know, good for Princess for stepping up to do that to show that they do care about their employees. Yeah, it seems like Princess has been really ahead of this. Their president, Jan Swartz, uh, has released a video and a couple of their executive vice presidents have too on Twitter. So they're kind of letting everyone know what's going on. Such a weird, kind of scary situation. And speaking of that, the Holland America ship that kept getting turned away by all these countries finally has a port over in Asia. Yeah, and just in case people aren't totally aware, I mean, it's been on the news, but not everybody is aware of it. It's Holland America's Westerdam. And they left on February 1st from Hong Kong, setting out on a 14-day cruise that was supposed to terminate in Yokohama, Japan. But uh, as the coronavirus became more and more widespread, new cases were cropping up in Hong Kong. Japanese authorities suddenly decided they would not allow the ship to pull into port on time as scheduled. 
And not only that, but there were five ports in Japan that the ship was supposed to visit. All of those were canceled. On board, there's 1,455 guests, 802 crew, and they had no idea where they're going to be allowed to disembark until they were granted the opportunity to dock in Thailand. And guess what? Right before they got there, Thailand said they couldn't dock. So now... Luckily, Cambodia, of all places, said they would allow Westerdam to dock at their shores. So the ship is now en route. It may have already docked by the time you hear this, um, this newscast, but they're supposed to arrive uh, 7 a.m. local time, Thursday, February 13th. Now, the ship will have to remain in port for several days just to make sure that no one gets sick. Holland America also has to make travel reservations. So They will be transferred on flights to Phnom Penh, and then from there, they will travel home. Um, Holland America is paying for all the flights home, in addition to a full cruise refund and a 100% future cruise credit. Yeah, this story's a little wild because um, Westerdam was turned away from Thailand, Japan, Taiwan, Guam, and the Philippines over these virus fears. And Holland America has, they kept reiterating to me that all guests on board are healthy. And despite the wild and crazy news reports out there, there are no cases of coronavirus on board. They've made that very clear with every story I've published. Yep. And that's what I read too in their notes. In our last coronavirus story of the week, gosh, it feels like this thing is just eating at us, like taking the whole news segment. But there's a lot out there. Um, A Royal Caribbean ship had a scare late last week. Yeah. And this was uh, the Anthem of the Seas, which has not had all the best luck in the world since the ship was launched, but it was preparing to return to Bayonne on Friday morning when they had this coronavirus scare and this delayed debarkation as well as canceling the sailing that would have happened logically later that day. So the results from virus tests were were returned and they were found to be negative. Royal Caribbean decided the ship would allow passengers to disembark And new guests could board on Sunday afternoon. Now, remember, it was supposed to dock on Friday and new passengers board that day. So we're two days late right now. The ship would not set sail until Monday, but it did. It left Bayonne at 3 p.m. But now the ship, uh, the itinerary had to be changed since they lost two days of um, of the voyage. So they canceled the Bahamas stops. They canceled Port Canaveral, but it went to Bermuda. So... Only one port. When they said passengers could board early on Sunday and then again on Monday, they had no luggage assistance. So their advice to passengers was to pack light so that you can carry your own bags on board the ship. That's kind of bizarre that they said to pack light. How are you going to tell people flying in from all over the world to take this cruise (laughs) once they're already there and the ship is delayed two or three days? Oh, pack light. Like, yeah, we already have half our wardrobe with us to take on this supposedly cruise. But anyway, um, two more stories here. It looks like Carnival Cruise Line is showcasing their upcoming mega ship in a unique way. So Carnival Cruise Line has has launched a new eight-part video series that showcases many of the innovations that are going to be aboard Mardi Gras, which is set to debut at Port Canaveral in November. The video is hosted by Mardi Gras cruise director Matt Mitchum, and, of course, brand ambassador John Heald. And it, the video begins um, with a visit to the shipyard in Finland, where the 180,000-ton ship is being built. The videos include a visit to New Orleans, and they have a chat with, of course, 
famed chef Emeril Lagasse about his first restaurant at sea, which will be on the Mardi Gras, of course. The video reveals also, and this is kind of cool, you know, when you build a roller coaster, you have to have a test track, right? So the video is going to visit the land-based test track in Germany for a preview of Bolt, which, of course, will be the first roller coaster at sea for any cruise line. And it will end with the ship's first voyage from Port Canaveral in Florida this November. All right. And finally, there's a Disney ship in a new home port. Disney Cruise Line sent Disney Wonder to New Orleans, and the first departure from the Crescent City was last week on February 7th. They had the the traditional New Orleans-style celebration, I guess, and of course on hand was Princess Tiana, Prince Naveen, and members of the traditional New Orleans Treme Brass Band. Uh, Disney Wonder will have a limited engagement sailing this year, but will return to New Orleans again in 2021. All the cruises will visit the Bahamas, Caribbean, and of course, when in the Bahamas, they're going to head over to Castaway Key. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Sherry, first off, thank you so much for keeping up on all these stories. They're very fluid. I don't say thank you enough, but I really do mean it. Really, really grateful for you. Oh, thanks. This is so much fun. I look forward to it. It's a lot of work because, you know, with the day job now, it's different up here in Alaska. But I look forward to the news every week. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Doug. So based on all the issues with several cruise ships being quarantined right now for coronavirus, many listeners have been sending us questions. In fact, uh, more than I can keep up with. I've invited Dan Skilkin, president of TripInsurance.com, to give us some of the facts on travel insurance coverage in these situations. Hey, Dan. Thanks, Doug, for having me on the show. So, Dan, we have a listener question from Ashley. She's cruising here in a couple of months, and she says, if you are quarantined and missed a decent amount of work, like two weeks, would travel insurance cover your missed wages? Doug, we're getting a lot of questions like this lately. The coronavirus scare has us busy answering hundreds of questions, and the phone wait times are way up, so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about this today. Ashley, unfortunately, there are no travel insurance products on the market that will cover your missed wages if you're quarantined at the end of a cruise. Also, travel insurance won't pay you back for your cruise for the time you're locked in the cabin, even for something like norovirus. Insurance will cover lost hotel, prepaid hotel excursions, prepaid tours, the follow-on legs of your trip, or the extra cost to get home if you're quarantined. Travel insurance won't reimburse you when you have a horrible vacation like you're quarantined in your cabin. A similar situation comes up when bad weather forces the boat to batten down the hatches and shut down services. Travel insurance will only cover financial losses on your vacation that occur due to a covered reason like sickness. Hopefully, the cruise company can give you travel credits when you have a really bad time like that. Don't underestimate the value of the coverage for the return ticket home if you're delayed due to a quarantine situation. It could cost thousands of dollars to buy those return tickets. Yeah, those ticket prices do add up, especially last minute. Dan, I only had one question for you today, so I thank you for taking the time out of your day to answer that one, and I'm sure Ashley does too. My pleasure, Doug. If any listeners have any other questions about cruise coverage or the coronavirus, please send us an email at support at tripinsurance.com. We can answer your emails much faster and make much better use of your time than having you wait on hold. To tackle the next question is Matt from royalcaribbeanblog.com. It comes from Christopher. 
I'm about to get on a Royal Caribbean cruise on the 22nd down to the Caribbean. I'm concerned about the coronavirus and Royal's ability to safeguard passengers from the virus. I'm also concerned about the potential two-week quarantine if I was unlucky enough to go on a ship that had an outbreak. What do you think? All right, Matt, you're the Royal Caribbean guy. Thanks, Doug. I've been getting this question a lot about coronavirus. There's a lot of people concerned about it, but you got to look at the facts, and you've also got to separate those facts from what you're reading and watching in the media because there is a ton of hype around coronavirus, in my opinion. It is, after all, getting a lot of attention. A lot of people are watching. It's getting people to view, click, and and just basically pay attention to this. That's why the media is running with this. But if, from a North American cruise perspective, in my not-so-scientific opinion, I think the risk of coronavirus is extremely low. Number one, it's something that's really a major threat if you are extremely young or extremely old, right? Uh, And number two is that the flu, influenza, is far more concerning to be worried about, in my opinion, because the flu kills way more people. I mean, look at the amount of people that were killed in the United States by the flu this year compared to the coronavirus, which is sitting, you know, very low. So, you know, it, it's more of a localized issue in Asia. I'm not going to not going to belittle its effects, but from a North American cruise standpoint, that's not to worry about it. Number two, Royal Caribbean has already instituted a number of enhanced policies and procedures to not only screen passengers, but also to uh, ensure that their ships are being sanitized properly. And of course, coronavirus is something that can easily be remedied by simply washing your hands constantly throughout the day and taking certain precautions, just like you would with any flu, or cold virus. I mean, that's really what it's all about there. So my advice is do not worry about it. You're cruising out of the Caribbean. I personally don't think it's a problem. I went on a cruise two weeks ago at really the height of all the hype over there. And you've got to understand the media is looking to get attention. It's why it's getting so much attention here. But again, just if nothing else, look at the stats of influenza versus coronavirus here in the United States and then understand also what coronavirus actually is. It's not Ebola. It is not flesh-eating bacteria. It is a, you know, a virus, just like influenza is. But influenza is a much more dangerous thing here. Uh, and something that you should be, I think, more worried about if you were to ask me. But the bottom line is you should not cancel your travel plans as a result of it. And you certainly should not be worried that Royal Caribbean is not taking the proper steps in order to do as much as they can to sanitize it for you. So I hope that it helps put your mind at ease. And most importantly, have a great Royal Caribbean cruise. As always, send your listener questions to Doug at CruiseRadio.net, D-O-U-G at CruiseRadio.net. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime, straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer, if you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? 
Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, in which we include the visas, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Tommy just returned from an eight-night Eastern Caribbean sailing aboard Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas out of Port Everglades. He joins us on the line. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Doug. How are you? Good, man. So you decided to embark on this eight-night cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas. It went out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, down to the Eastern Caribbean. Uh, Before we get to the ship itself, because it's been a little while since we heard from Adventure, I want to take a step back here. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts and set us up for this eight-night cruise. Well, Doug, we, uh, I have a little you know, band of whack jobs, the Always Be Booked crew, and for a while we've been talking about doing a group cruise, and we got a good about, say about 20 of us. We got, us to get, got ourselves together, and we decided to do this Eastern Caribbean run because for the most part, I really wanted to get back to St. Thomas. All right, so it's cruise day, and you make your way down to Port Everglades. Now, you live like in the, what, Boca, West Palm Beach area? Yeah, I live in Boca Raton. So is it a quick, I don't know how far it is from the port. Is it a quick drive or a train ride or how do you get there? Yeah, we drove it. You could do the, well, really, the, you could do the tri-rail, but it's most easiest just to drive. It's pretty much a 25-minute drive. So you make your way to the ship. How was embarkation? Embarkation was a little slow. It did take a little bit of time. Uh, curb to ship, probably about 35 minutes. It was just, we kind of got there during a time where there was some buildup and, uh, Nothing out of the ordinary, just a little slow, but it was fine. Now, I know Royal Caribbean has some expedited embarkation with uh, using the whole digital and the app and everything. Did you have to print your boarding pass out to get on board? That's the thing. I pretty much never do that. Honestly, I do know it saves a little bit of time, but my experience is is if you just show up with the email in your phone or at least the photo of it Mm -hmm. and the passport, you're pretty much ready to go. They'll let you on. You may save maybe three, four minutes, but... We just kind of roll the dice and show up. Fair enough. So you make your way on board Adventure of the Seas. What were your first impressions of the ship? You know, it really wasn't – I wasn't expecting to see anything out of the ordinary. I am kind of a veteran of the Voyager class. I've done Mariner a couple of times, done Navigator as well. Uh, Both of them have received the amped uh, refurbishment, but this one hadn't. So I was expecting a basic ship and going back to the point where – you know, I guess I left that out in the beginning. Why did I choose this itinerary? And that was kind of why I did, because I knew we had a group coming with us. And I really wanted to get down to the basics and and select a ship that was really going to force us to kind of hang out with each other. I mean, it had everything you'd want on a beautiful, it was a beautiful cruise ship, but it didn't necessarily have all these other things that might have been a distraction because we wanted this one to be about the people. Every class of ship has something unique to it. What sticks out in the Voyager class to you? It's a good question, and it's a good and a bad to it. I feel as though I want to get away from the Royal experience a little bit, not because I don't like it, because I've kind of been so exposed to it in my last several sailings. What I do like about it, 
I really, and I know some people don't, but that promenade, you know what I mean? It has the reputation of being like a shopping mall, but whatever. I really enjoy how it ties the whole ship together. It's pretty much impossible to get lost on a Royal Caribbean ship just because it just has that town square feel to it. And I just like the whole sort of like where you're walking up and down, you could people watch, you could hang out. The My favorite venue on that ship is definitely the English pub, the concept that they have where you can kind of sit inside or outside and be feel like you're really in an old school English or Irish pub. But you could also sit outside and kind of watch the world go by and see all the cruisers and everybody that you're on board with. You know, it's funny because the indoor promenade, either people really like it or they really don't like it. You never really see someone in between, you know? Yeah, all the time. I see people, you know, every time I try to, you know, because again, I, I say it a lot. I, I From an area, New York City, where there's a lot of population, densely populated area, and I kind of, it just reminds me of that. You're sitting in Astoria and there's brownstones, people kind of hanging out the windows, and that's what I kind of equate to those promenade view staterooms. And when you're in those promenade view staterooms, you're looking out the window. That was cool during the parade uh, or the 70s night. That's, I guess, their, their main party that they do on, like, what is it? I think it's night seven the night before the last night and you did see you saw people kind of sitting in the windowsills and mm-hmm. watching the action yeah and i just kind of like that vibe you know yeah yeah it's really interactive so you make your way to your stateroom what kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it we got a balcony on the sixth floor and i absolutely loved it i was really really i went in really excited about not just having the balcony but being on the sixth floor to kind of really connect with the sea and it did not disappoint as far as the space in the bathroom, were there USB plugs in there? Give us some details like that. I was hoping there was going to be USB. If there was, I did not find any. Uh, there was plenty of shelving and drawers and things like that for me and the person I was staying with to be able to have plenty of room to unpack and put everything wherever we want. Obviously, the suitcase fits very snugly under the bed. Bathroom was fine. I wouldn't say that there was anything luxurious or spacious about it, but perfectly functional and plenty of room for what we wanted to do in it. That's pretty much just sleep and maybe catch a couple of uh, minutes of R&R here and there, but we were right back to the action. So let's talk about the food on this eight-night cruise, and we'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have, and how was your experience? I had the late dining, which is eight o'clock, and I do like the late dining because I really, my favorite time of day on any cruise ship is when the sun is going down. I just like that sunset and enjoy, you know, just kind of in me to just love sunsets and kind of be in or around the pool having some cocktails. And I don't want to be sitting in a dining room for that. The food, I will say, was great. Uh, You know, main dining room, I guess it's very subjective as well. Some people have a little bit of an issue with it. Some people complain. And to me, I didn't even do any of the specialty restaurants. It was either the Windjammer or the main dining room. And every item that I got, Maybe I got lucky, but every item I got was very, very enjoyable. I'll say in the main dining room, here's the drawbacks. Okay, first and foremost, maybe it was a slower sailing, but the servers were on us. And I know they're trying to, you know, make sure they get their tips and things like that. But they were, I mean, kind of like, it, it feel like we were under surveillance so much. They were really, you couldn't get anything going. They were kind of just stalking us, for lack of a better term, if anything. And then, you know, what I don't like about the main dining room and what I wanted to get away from a little bit was the fact that they just keep you there. And especially towards the end of the cruise. And I have to say, it's just these ceremonies and these, you know, they're going to give you a speech and you got to thank everybody in the ship. And it's nice, but 
And I don't mind, you know, giving the tips, giving the credit, but we got to find a way, in my opinion, to shorten that whole process. I feel you on that one. Now, as far as going to the Windjammer Cafe, how was your experience up there? It was great. You know what I mean? To me, they always had a different theme every night. You know, of course, it's a buffet. So not every item is going to knock it out of the park. But for me, there was always something to be enjoyed in there. And there was always something very, very good that was pleasantly surprising. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think, was there a bad meal? Did I have an item that I didn't like? I cannot think of an item that I had that I did not like. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the pickiest guy in the world, but it was all good food. Yeah, and also I think in the buffet, though, like if you see something that's not visually appealing, you're not going to go for it, right? So you're pretty much only getting what you think you're going to like and you typically enjoy it. Exactly. And you know what? It's low risk, high reward, right? If you don't like Mm -hmm. it, you just don't eat it. And it was cool, too, because a lot of times on the wind jam, in the wind jammer, especially some of the, I guess, the larger classes of ships, you can really kind of get backed up. But we got lucky. You know, I know the sailing was... You know, I, I think it was a mild crowd for the most part, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it was a full ship. Yeah. But for whatever reason, we never had to wait. We never had to wait for seating. It was never like we were walking around and had trouble getting a getting a table. We liked, it. you know, a lot of people. You're on a cruise ship. We want the service. We want the, you know, get waited on because it's free. How often do you get a chance to go out to restaurants on land? I understand that concept and that mentality, but we were really excited about enjoying the ship and getting back to the action, where. Like I said, in the main dining room, and especially on that last night, you listen to them, they do their song, they sing, then they introduce the captain, they introduce everybody. And then when you think you're about to walk before you get dessert, you haven't even gotten dessert yet. And then the server comes over with the captain and then they have another speech for you. And it's a solicitation for tips. And I do understand, of course, we're going to tip every time. But I would just love if they can kind of consolidate that experience yeah. a little bit more, not to be repetitive. Now, I know you said you didn't do any specialty restaurants, but how was like Sorrento's or Johnny Rockets, anything like that? Okay, yeah. So we we there was no Sorrento's on board. So they have uh, on the smaller, I guess, Voyager class of ships, it's the same pizza, I believe, mm-hmm. but it's in the cafe promenade. Okay. Yes, we did have that. And, you know, that is basically, it is what it is. It's not bad, you know, like, you know, most things. <laughs> like some things, even bad pizza is still good. So it was okay, totally serviceable. Did enjoy Johnny Rockets. I did like it. There was, I had a good friend of mine who did not like it, and I heard a couple of other poor reviews about it, but I didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, it's, I'm going to lie. You know what I mean? It's not is good yeah, as Guy's Burger, yeah. but it is good. And the fact that you do have to pay for it, that's a little bit of a downer, but you do get full service and you mm-hmm. can order pretty much whatever you want. So that is an advantage. I liked it. Now we had a group, like I told you before. And, uh, while I didn't do any of the specialty restaurants, you know, there was only three options here. It was Azumi, the Italian one, which is Giovanni's and it was chops. Everybody said it was good. Everybody enjoyed all of them from what I heard. I did hear from a couple of people that Chops probably wasn't worth the money that they spent. They didn't say it was bad. They just said they would probably not do it mm-hmm. again. Back to Cafe Promenade. Do they only serve pizza in there on this ship? No, there's a load of sandwiches. Uh, that's where you get your coffee. Uh, you know, basic items. There's mostly mm-hmm. sandwiches and maybe some rolls, some paper stuff that you'd find in like a deli. And uh, they were all pre-made, but not necessarily. I'm not saying they were made two days ago. They were... They looked fresh. I didn't have any of the sandwiches. From what I heard, they, it, it, 
sounded like they were pretty good. But again, I don't want to look at a sandwich pre-made sitting there and order that. Just being, right. you know, a New Yorker and, you know, used to some of the best delis around and, you know, they make it fresh for you. I'm not going to look at a sandwich, pick it out and have them hand me the sandwich that's been made who knows when, two days or two hours before. But it looked okay and the reports were good. But yeah, that's pretty much what was going on in the Cafe Promenade. Was that 24 hours? It was till 3 a.m., I believe. Okay. So how was the entertainment on this eight-night cruise? All right, so entertainment, the shows, uh, I don't necessarily do them as much. We've talked about that in a couple of episodes as far as sitting through the decade review shows. And there were those. And, you know, you had – there was one woman on board who I did catch part of her show. They kept using the name Whitney Houston as a comparison, which is tough. It's a tough act to follow mm-hmm. or a tough, tough comparison to live up to. But she was very good. I caught a few, and she was kind of belting out those high notes. She sounded great. Uh, that's really the only glimpse of any of the main theater shows that I got. They were good, and I'll tell you what. They were very good as far as in good shape with the uh, guy named Brandon in the in the um, Duck and Dog, the English pub. The guy brought a whole lot of energy to the table. Uh, great musician, great uh, energy, very interactive, and I'm happy to say this isn't for everybody, but, you know, they really loosened it up as far as what, you know, I guess they give them a long rope. They don't tell them what to play. Some of the language is off color. Some people may not like that, but I kind of like it because it kind of just says, you know what, we're not necessarily trying to please everybody. If this is for you. This is for you. Great. Um, the piano guy, his name was Peter. He was very good. Uh, and now here's the issue. They had a band called switched on now everybody knows these bands on the cruise ships they're the roving entertainment they could play everything from build me up buttercup to shut up and dance with me you know they they basically have the whole catalog and they could play it all they could play it the problem is is that we didn't see much of them they seem to a lot of the live entertainment and it could have been perception on my point my part but i don't think it was i think royal caribbean needs to go back to the drawing board a little bit and let a lot of their entertainment come out during the day. Uh, there was a reggae Latin band that I did see at the pool deck once or twice. But I really think, you know, Car- I got to say, Carnival in Norwegian, I got to give them the edge in that regard. Where they just flood you with live music over and over again. There wasn't even a DJ out there. It was just kind of like piped in sound system music. And it didn't keep us from having a good time. But I have to say it would have been nice. And even on the sail away, you know what I mean? Sail away parties are usually a big thing. I was unpacking. I was 10 minutes late for the sailway party, Doug. I missed the whole thing. It was over. Wow. How was the cruise director on board? I heard he's not there anymore. I heard, uh, and don't quote me, I heard in a Facebook group, I heard he's been, uh, he's moved or whatever. I looked up a couple of um, reviews on him. They weren't very good. And then when we got on board, just as reported, he was pretty much nowhere to be found whatsoever. I'm not trying to know. His name was Drew. So, you know, I'm just being real. Now, to the contrary, I saw him. You know, what are, what are the measure? The quest, right? That's where they measure, you know, that's where you, the cruise director is most in the spotlight, mm-hmm. as well as that 70s party. When I saw him at both of those events, Doug, he knocked it out of the park. He was great. He killed it. He was funny. He was witty. He was, he was, he was engaged completely. So he was good, but, you know, most of the reports were, reports were accurate in that outside of that, I didn't really see much of them. As far as the casino, how was it with the smoke situation? You know how they do it. It's definitely you could smell it. The whole fourth floor, 
you could smell the smoke. I am not, I'm not a smoker, but I'm not super sensitive to it. So I didn't necessarily spend a whole bunch of time dwelling on it, but I'd be lying if I told you that, you know, the promenade's on the fifth floor, you know, you didn't get on the fifth floor and, you know, you could see why maybe you could because, you know, those, um, those little staircases that they have halfway through the promenade, they have those little spiral staircases that are so inviting, just begging you to go down there and lose all your money in that casino. You could just be walking along, minding your own business. Then I'm surprised they don't have fire poles that you could just slide down and from the promenade into the casino. But, um, you didn't smell it at all on the fifth floor, mm-hmm. but pretty much the entire fourth floor, you could smell it. Let's talk about sea days. How were they as far as crowds and congestion? Because you said it was a pretty full ship, but more of a mild ship. Yeah, you know, it wasn't bad at all. Uh, you know, we did our thing pretty much. We had the same rhythm pretty much the whole day. The, each, each day of the cruise, I would wake up, go to the gym, maybe grab something eat afterwards, shower off and head to the Lido deck. We spent a lot of time at the Sky Bar. And it was cool. It was nice. I didn't notice it to be overly dead or overly congested at any in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. In any way, and we we did spend some. We spent a lot of time on the promenade deck too. Uh, and then when I say promenade, I mean the outside, not not to be confused with the royal promenade, the uh, walkabout outside on the lower deck, and that mm-hmm. happened to be on deck four. We spent some time over there. We did some of the games during the day. We did uh, charades. Wherever we went, it was no no real congestion issues whatsoever. I was looking at a couple of your photos on Facebook, and I noticed that you could actually hang out on the helicopter pad. Is that open 24-7? You know, it really is for some reason. You wonder how long that's going to go on for. I don't. Yeah. I can't confirm that they don't shut it down, but I remember being out there real late one night. If, if I, you know, I, I did indulge in a beverage or two here and there. Uh, as I've been known to, but so I don't really know exactly what time I was out there, but it did not seem like they closed that at all. Well, and I guess, I mean, if there's any foolery happening, the bridge is right there looking down on you, right? Yeah. And you know, it's crazy because there is, you know, you have the helipad, but it's weird because it has park benches sitting on the helipad. So I wonder if they move those park benches and mm-hmm. if they have them in the helicopter. I get, I'm assuming they do, but they seem to be in there pretty good. Uh, but it's weird because you know how you have the, you know, and it's the safety thing. I always say it all the time. You know, you have to try to fall off a cruise ship. I might even say there's an, an exception to that rule in the helipad because, yes, it's a firm, you know, the whole, we all know the railing that goes around the ship. You're not, you're not getting through that. You're not breaking that. But then there's an openable portion of it to where if you go towards the front of the ship, and I'm not promoting this at all, but if you go towards the front of the ship, and you touch that railing, it's made out of the same wood, but it's an area that's designed to open and close. And you can, like, shake it. So you're definitely less apt to lean your full weight up against it. It's interesting. You know what I mean? I, I, God bless them. I love it. I think, you know what? you got to be responsible. There is some sort of accountability you have to put on yourself for your own safety. So I love that they let you out there. I love that you, they let you uh, kind of – the only problem out there is a little bit of a, of a wind tunnel. You know what I mean? You're taking on a yeah. big headwind out there. So let's talk about the ports of call on this eight-night cruise. So give us the port of call and a highlight from that port, then we'll move to the next one. Like I said, this was a very port-driven. So I know I kind of you know gave a little bit of a poor review. And so I'm just being honest. I have to say, disclaimer, this was probably my favorite cruise I've ever been on. And a lot of it was because of the basicness of the ship, but it was mostly because of the people and the itinerary. So we went to Labadee first. You know, it was the... You know, 
that, that was the port we were necessarily might be the most basic port, but we were really looking forward to it. We got out and really what I like to do on Labadee is just spend a good amount of time on that barge bar. Did get a late start, got out there, spent some time on the beach, made our way out there and just had like a nice drinking adventure with about eight or nine of us on that barge. And it was crazy because it was a really windy day. So that barge was getting tossed around. You would wonder, you know, it's just a little barge. How much can you toss? It was getting tossed. It was getting actually really tossed. Actually, a a weird side story. We woke up in the morning at about 6 a.m. It sounded like a cannon went off. I had no idea. I had never heard any noise like this on any cruise ship whatsoever. And I was explained to us later in the day that it was so windy. And I go back to listening to you and Stuart Sheeran talking about when that collision happened with the two carnival ships and how, you know, at the mercy of the wind, a cruise ship is because of the facade and how much it almost acts like a sail. Mm-hmm. They tied up the ship and they snapped a mooring. It was out of control. How does Labadee compare to Perfect Day? I mean, I know there's no big water slides or anything there, but can it hold its own? It's it's kind of crazy because Labadee was like the new toy. It was like the new, oh, you know what? This amazing private island. And it really is with the zip lines and with the roller coaster and, you know, the the, the beautiful beaches and the overwater cabanas. It really is a beautiful place. And it was for a time it was like, oh, look at poor little Coco Cay and then this fancy Labadee. And yeah, Coco Cay has definitely surpassed it. Yeah. It depends on what you're looking for. If you want that, you know, a world class water park and you want like, you know, the, the pool, you know what? The pool is a big thing for, for Coco Cay. It's, it's a huge factor. I don't know why they, they can't put a little pool out in uh, Labadee. But Labadee is great, but yeah, it's yeah. Let's just be honest. Coco Cay has definitely run circles around it now. Then your next port of call was San Juan. Yes, the next port of call was San Juan, which is very very interesting because if I, I know I drank a lot, but I have this vague memory of seeing you there. Is that is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, we we flew down there and hung out for a couple of days. Yeah, so that was a great time. I mean, that right there. Are you kidding me? You're having a group cruise. You have a bunch of people on it. You're having a good time, and it can't get better. And all of a sudden, Doug Parker shows up and taps you on the shoulder and sends you frogs and says, "Hey, what's up, man? How you doing?" <laughs> that was a fun time. Yeah, it was. It was actually cool that that worked out, and it was so affordable to fly from Orlando to San Juan to St. Thomas and then back to Orlando again. Phenomenal, phenomenal day. You absolutely, you know, just breathed a whole new life into that freaking cruise. And what was cool was that uh, that day was actually starting to get a little kind of like, uh, you know, we were walking around a lot. It was very hot. We were wondering what we were doing. And then one of our buddies, Jonathan, was on that cruise and he had family there. And then they started giving us a tour. And then it started getting even a little bit more strenuous and walking uphill, downhill. And then out of nowhere, they let they led us to this bar we were on a rooftop and, had, I mean, honestly, I started having the time of my life. So much to the point where I almost stayed with you guys <laughs> and um, uh, and almost flew to St. Thomas. And I don't even fly. Yeah. Uh, so a couple other things I'll say. That bar was phenomenal. If you go to – I wanted to get this tripleta sandwich. I wanted to get it. I knew I wanted to get it because I had it before. It was so much better than I remembered. Go If you go to San Juan, whether it's before – in the middle or at the end, find your way to the food truck that's right near the cruise port, and it's a tripleta. It's a del- I'm not even going to describe the sandwich. It's one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. And then, yes, I didn't intend to do this. We got a little slowed down by the tripleta, 
we'll labor in our way back to the cruise ship. Lo and behold, we're the last ones on the ship, and we have to sprint and do a pier run just to make the ship. So that did happen. And uh, San Juan was a great time. And it was, you know, so good to have you guys there. You and Colin. Shout out to Colin. Yeah, at least you made the ship. Then St. Thomas was the next day. St. Thomas was the crown jewel. We were looking forward to this forever. I had a whole day planned out. I know it seems basic. I know it seems pedestrian. But you know what? It is what you make of it. And uh, me being the whole nightclub aspect of it and just liking the party and kind of loving to tie music with memories, with alcohol, with just beautiful views and good friends – that's what I did. We lined it up at Badass Coffee, which is coffee. It's a Kona coffee from Hawaii. You go there. They have ice cubes that come, that the, the, the actual ice cubes are coffee. Kind of gives you a nice little charge to start the day. Then we had a few shots over at the tap and still signed up uh, Peanut, who was our driver. And I definitely recommend if you're in St. Thomas, look up Peanut. Loaded all 20 of us into his little safari taxi and we were recommended to him to because he's a great DJ as well, and he got the music going, and we just started heading uphill, and he's beeping horns, there's reggae music going, and our crowd was very, very lively, and you were a part of that crowd, and uh, what did what, you think, Doug? Well, it's funny because we had you on the show a couple of weeks ago answering a listener question about St. Thomas, and the question you answered was the exact, basically, same thing we did in St. Thomas. It was cool to kind of relive that, but I thought Peanut was cool. We got to take the, where we got to the lookout where the donkey is, and then we went to the very top, and then, what was it, Haven Site, where the ferry boat is? Or not Haven Site, but um, Cruise, not Cruise Bay, but the Red Hook. Yeah, it was just cool. We went all around the whole island for, what, five or six hours. Yeah, no, it was great. That was it. Yeah, that was a very taxing, enjoyable, memorable day, and uh, man, again, Thank you again for being a part of it. And that's where we had to say goodbye to you and Collins. You guys went off and, and uh, went back to uh, went back stateside. Yeah, went to Orlando. Then you guys went to St. Martin. How was that? All right, so St. Martin is where – so I was like, always said like I was having the time of my life from embarkation day, starting at nine and a half, having a blast. Despite, yeah, like I said, the sailway party was still – Throughout that whole night, having an absolute blast, and it literally got better every single day. Had more fun than the previous day. And then St. Martin is when it hit a little bit of the wall because we woke up. I made it a point to wake up at 6.30 to see the sunset, but there was no – I'm sorry, sunrise, but there was no sunrise. It was, um, I mean, some of the worst weather I've ever experienced on a a ship. It was just dreary. It was a little cool. Uh, The rain, it was almost like that part, that thing where it's raining, but it's not. It's like – wintery mix but but summer you know what i mean just just misting all over the place mm-hmm. you couldn't see anything uh people in our in our party in our group they took a catamaran out i felt terrible for them i'm sure they made the best of it though uh but they were on they, they did like a beach crawl on a catamaran we literally didn't even get off the ship for more than maybe 45 minutes you know it felt like we got off the ship and the rain just got harder and harder then it's let up a little bit. We were thinking about going to Great Bay Beach and walking through downtown. It just, weather just sucked. But again, it's a cruise. I don't care. We were still having a good time. We got back on board, ate, drank, and made the most of the rest of the night. All right, so you leave St. Martin, two sea days back to Port Everglades. Any final thoughts before we talk about disembarkation? You know what? We didn't touch on the Elvis factor. We oh, did right. have a uh, slew 
of Elvis fans. This was, there was a group cruise, or I don't know if it was a group cruise, a borderline partial charter. There was over 600 fans of Elvis on this cruise, and they were privy to various performances throughout the week. And we didn't necessarily know where these performances were because these people paid a premium to hear one of the five or six of the best and most you know sought-after Elvis impersonators or Elvis, Elvis tribute artists throughout the ship. Now, I've never been the biggest Elvis guy, but I started getting into him a little bit because of this cruise. And I actually like, wow, this guy really, I mean, there's a reason why this is one of the most celebrated entertainers in history. And uh, they did do two performances on the second to last sea day. And they allowed, they did one on the lead on the pool deck in the morning. And they did one in the uh, studio B, which is the ice skating theater or the quest theater, wherever they do that. And man, these guys are talented. So it was a lot of Elvis people, a lot of Elvis fans that were running around. And uh, I guess that was a lot of that. That took up a lot of the Friday. So we had a blast following the Elvises around. Years ago, when I was in radio here, they used to do the Elvis cruise out of Jacksonville. And the night before the cruise, they'd have a big party at the Jacksonville landing, which is like the hot spot or was the hot spot downtown at the time. And there was like, probably 500 Elvis lookalikes walking around. And, you know, these people are so dedicated to the craft that you it makes you think that some of them may have had plastic surgery. No, I think that's confirmed that they have had oh, really? plastic surgery. <laughs> I think a lot of them did do that. And they clearly, and I couldn't tell when I was seeing them, but then I'm going back on some of my photos and I'm zooming in and I'm like, well, that guy has like at least a quarter inch of makeup stuck to his face. I mean, they really go after it. But I have to say, Doug, I was almost wondering. I found myself – see, the morning show was cool. I enjoyed it. But it was hot. It was a little rough. It was like a little – you know, standing out there in that hot sun, it was cool to watch them. But I made it a point to make it to the um, more climate-controlled show that was in Studio B. I was floored, man. I really was floored because they don't just go out there and do Elvis songs. Like each Elvis represents an actual show. So like – famous performance by Elvis is done by this guy. And then when he was in 68 for the comeback show, this guy does that whole show. And then the Hawaii show in the jumpsuit, this guy does it. And man, the, the I was almost wondering why these guys are impersonating Elvis because they're such talented singers in their own right. They could probably make it on their own. I mean, were they doing like, what, Return to Sender and It's Now or Never, Jailhouse Rock, Don't Be Cruel, like Hound Dog, those kind of songs? See, Doug was a DJ, everybody knows, and he's giving us a lesson in Elvis <laughs> right now. And you're, you're teaching me my song that I was really, really enjoying, that I was vibing on the whole time because I just looked up some of his performances. Mm. To me, that's where you get Elvis. Elvis is great to listen to. On the radio, but you got to see Elvis's performance and um, Suspicious Minds. That's the crown jewel for me. Nothing better than watching this Elvis get up there <laughs> with that sweater caught in a trap. Oh man, that's yeah. You make your way back to Port Everglades. How was disembarkation? Disembarkation was uh, took a little while too. I don't know. You know, I remember. I know a couple of disembarkations. Um, they've been quick. You know what I mean? I feel like. You know, I get a lot of a hard time because, you know, I hit the hit the booze a little bit and that creates an environment where I sleep a little bit longer than the room steward would like on the final day. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I know it's frowned upon, but it does make for a quick exit off the ship. 
we tried to do the right thing this time. We got up nice and early. We got off when we were supposed to get off. And yes, we stood in one heck of a line. And that was at least at least 45 minutes to an hour to try to get off the ship. It's never, it's never a good day, no matter how you slice it that last day. Any first-time tips sailing either Adventure of the Seas or that Eastern Caribbean run? Definitely, if you have a good, fun crew, I would definitely suggest just finding a hunting down a safari taxi, giving them 30 35 bucks each. And you know what? They're going to make your day a great time. They're going to make sure you have a good time. Make sure you want to do the mountaintop crawl. There's a bunch of gift shops. They all have seem to have banana daiquiri bars, too. Uh, I recommend that if you're going to do that. Get the tripleta. Do not leave St. Uh, uh, San Juan without getting a tripleta. And um, as far as the adventure of the seas, just understand, you know, the beauty of those ships is that because everything is just where it's supposed to be. If you know where the Royal Promenade is and use that as a, as like a town square, this central location, everything branches off of that. And just enjoy that. Just enjoy walking around, people watching. You know that right down below you have Studio B. Right down below you have the schooner bar. And spend some time in that duck and dog and, and just really enjoy yourself. It's a great ship. It's a basic ship, but it's a great ship. Yeah, Adventure of the Seas is going to get their royal, what, amplified refurbishment, I guess they're calling it, next year, so 2021. Well, Tommy, looking back, the biggest highlight of this cruise. The biggest highlight of the cruise, I'm not going to lie, it was honestly one giant highlight. But if I have to say it, and I'm not just trying to get brownie points here, that San Juan to St. Thomas two-day run where we just had two of the best days of our lives. And, you know, the fact that you and Colin kind of surprised us out of nowhere and we had a great time together that sure as hell didn't hurt much uh that was definitely the highlight those two days incredible and i hope we get a chance to do it again all right in closing final thoughts of adventure of the seas all right people talk about cruising and they talk about two different sides a lot of times the big ships with the bells and whistles and you know whether you can zip line or whether you can go on merry-go-rounds or they talk about the real you know eight small ships the 1800 passenger ships where they really don't have anything but a couple of pools and maybe a lounge chair and a main dining room the adventure of the seas the beauty of it is that it's a happy medium it is a large very large well, very large it's a large cruise ship it handles three thousand passengers so there's a lot to do on it there's a lot of fun to be had multiple pools you have the promenade which is very nice so you have some luxury on that ship but also you're not dealing with a crazy amount of distraction. You're not dealing with crowds. So to me, you may like big ships. You may like small ships. This, to me, is a nice marriage between the two. All right. We've been talking with Tommy Casabona of the Always Be Booked Cruise podcast about his eight-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas. You can check out that podcast over there at Always Be Booked. Tommy, thank you so much for stopping by, my friend. Good to talk to you and good to see you down on the islands, man. Same, Doug. Thanks for having me. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast 
or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.